Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. I am your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. Today we got a great show for you today. We are going over our third base rankings and tiers, and then we'll start off with our outfield first half rankings and tiers. But first, let's welcome Matt. Matt, how are you doing? What is going on? Yeah, I'm um, excited for third base. You know, I think industry-wide, the consensus has been that third base is a very shallow position this year and kind of after going over these rankings pretty satisfied i've got 13 names that i'm happy with uh, a couple names after that 13th ranking that i'm thinking could have good seasons but you are taking a risk so you're going to want to pair them up with a couple of the guys that we have listed there and obviously a few of these guys one through 13 do have multi-position eligibility so we are going to put that into the equation but definitely not as uh, shallow as i originally had expected and again, you have some sleepers out there that we'll talk about and some names from, you know, on my list, at least 14 through 18 that I think could have big impacts if you pair them up. So definitely excited for the third base position this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. There's 13 guys that I'm okay with. I prefer to have one of my top eight guys, but definitely trying to get one of my top five. Having said that, let's just jump right into it. And a guy that was ranked number four for me has now jumped up to number two with recent news, and that is Manny Machado has recently announced that he is planning to opt out of his contract after signing a 10-year, $300 million contract with the San Diego Padres. When I hear this, I think... He's obviously money-driven, but now he's even motivated more so to have a phenomenal season so that he can get more than that $30 million a year that he signed for. So having said that, he had a fantastic season last year. He had, trying to pull it up right now, but he had batted two ninety eight with 32 home runs, 100, R, 100 runs, and then 102 RBIs, nine stolen bases. But when you're drafting Manny Machado, you're okay with him being four categories, and also on top of that in points league which we predominantly play in that is phenomenal numbers my number one is jose ramirez just because he is mr reliable you know he's going to bat you 280 to 300 and he's going to have you over 30 home runs batting in the middle of that guardians lineup he's going to give you 100 runs and 100 rbis then number three four and five i have rafael devers your favorite guy and then nolan arenado and austin riley if I had to choose out of those guys, the ones that I probably am targeting is going to be Rafael Devers, Machado, and Arenado. If I get a first-round pick, I'm probably going to pass on Jose Ramirez um, just because I'd rather go for one of the outfield guys that we're planning on talking about because there's a bigger drop-off for me. Um, out of the first tier, though, Austin Riley's probably the one I don't want the most just because he is more streaky of a player, but at the end of the year, you're going to like what you get from him. Matt, what are your thoughts on my first five rankings and this first tier of mine? Yeah, we're very similar. Um, I think Jose Ramirez is a unanimous number one tier guy here. I have Devers number two just because he is younger. You know, He is going to be the guy in Boston, and I do think we're waiting to see Devers' best seasons ahead. I think he has 40 home runs in the tank. He's been a guy that's going to hit you at least 280, you know, consistently a guy that can hit 300. It is there as the opportunity. Um, I love what you said about Machado, and it might be a big reason why I actually have to flip those as well. But as it stands right now, I think I'm taking Devers over Machado, and I say that because 
Machado's 32 home runs last year were really nice, but we have to remember he plays in a pitcher-friendly ballpark no matter what they do with those dimensions. Uh, Machado could definitely be a 40 home run hitter in the right ballpark, and I think that's where, again, the money is speaking loud. But right now, Devers is my guy at number two, Machado number three, easily. For me, that's where we have a big tier jump. Number four, I actually have Austin Riley over Nolan Arenado, who I have at five. And the reason is because I think also, much like Devers, Riley has the opportunity to become even more so than what he has been. While, yes, he's streaky, he has the opportunity to be more consistent. He has the opportunity to push that 40, 45, 50 home run barrier, which would be a very big challenge. But I think in the ballpark with the lineup that he's surrounded in, I think he's going to see a lot of fastball counts, a lot of fastballs in general. And I think you're going to see high-counted um, runs, RBIs, you know, all, all of the metrics that play into that to add him to the four category player against stolen bases aren't going to be in Riley's profile and then with Nolan Arenado at five we know what Nolan Arenado is at this point right he's going to bat you 260 to 280 especially not being in Colorado anymore he's going to push that 30 home run barrier going to have the 100 uh, RBIs the runs are where we question but again with Paul Goldschmidt winning MVP last year he had a boost in that category but Nolan now does come in at five for me. And then we have the significant teardrop where everybody after Nolan Arenado really makes you think about where you are in your drafts as well as how you constructed your lineup because I think anywhere from six to about 13, you have to be bargain shopping at that point. Yeah, I definitely agree. After this first tier, it is a significant drop-off, but I am okay with any of these three guys as my tier two. Going into that, I have Alex Bregman at number six, Gunnar Henderson at number seven, and then Bobby Witt at number eight. Probably never going to get any shares of Bobby Witt, having him ranked at eight, as everybody in the industry and platforms have him ranked as a round two player, so I'm probably never getting him. So let's talk about a little bit about Alex Bregman. This is a guy I can see dropping a tier or two, or I can see him pushing into that first round tier. If we look at his 2017 to 2019 statistics, he bet at 284, 286, and 296. But since then, 2020 to 2022, he bet at 242, 270, and then last year, 259. He saw a significant drop in his home run production, and I think that has a lot to do with the juice ball. I think he's one guy who negatively got impacted. Just looking at his home run numbers, 2017-19, then 2018-31, 2019-41 home runs. Then they take away the juice ball. 2020, he had six home runs, which was a shortened season, but then 2021, 12 home runs, and then last year, 23. This is not the Alex Bregman that people think they're getting. This is a less average and a less power guy, but I still think he's valuable, and I still think he has some potential, but I'm also worried that this may just be who Alex Bregman is. He's a 250 to 260 guy, and he's going to get you 20 home runs, and that scares me. Moving on to Gunnar Henderson, this is the number one overall prospect. He blew up in the minors last year through AA and AAA, bet at 297, had 19 home runs, got a taste of the majors with the Orioles, bet at 259, and had four home runs with seven doubles. I think he's primed for breakout season. I think he could easily jump into the top tier 
And those are two guys that I wouldn't mind having, but they do come with question marks, which is why I have them in my number two rankings or number two tiers, I should say. Matt, what are your thoughts and what are your number two tiers? Yeah, I mean, we have the same three guys here. Um, for me, it is a little bit of a change up, though. I have uh, Gunner actually coming in at number six. I like the upside, I like the youth. Um, I think overall, what you're getting with Gunner is probably the best case scenario of what Bobby Witt could provide you. I think Gunner is, like you said, he's going to hit 275 to 300, which is incredible for a rookie. He's going to provide you more than likely 20 home runs. I would say 80 runs, depending on how good that team is, how good Rutschman plays. You know, do they bring up some more of their prospects, integrate those into the lineup, and they hit well too? Then you could see Gunner going all the way up to about 90 runs. He's going to run well. He's going to provide RBIs. All profile pieces that I love. And he, there's actually a poor man's version of him that I'm going to comp later on with our sleepers that I think he actually is going to be a very similar profile during the career now that Gunner is at third base. But right now, Gunner is at number six. Uh, Bobby Witt comes in at number seven. You said it best. I'm not going to own any shares of Bobby Witt. It just the truth is the hype is actually higher than his current value in my eyes. But I do like Bobby Witt over my number eight player, which is Alex Bregman. I think you kind of talked about the profile of Bregman perfectly. His numbers have deteriorated throughout his career. I think what you saw with Bregman was a, uh, a case of the juice ball. We talk about that a lot with Yelich. Other players benefited from the 2017, 2018, 2019 season because the ball was jumping. We're starting to see what the real Alex Bregman is, which is a 20 home run hitter, a 260, 270 average guy, also a guy that has dealt with many, many injuries recently. Now, is in a great lineup. I think he could definitely have a bounce back year. I think as the ball continues to change, maybe they find one that's kind of more middle ground. We could see Bregman get back to that 25 home run level. But again, I'm not banking on that. I would rather have the upside of Gunner and Bobby at six and seven. So Bregman comes in for me at eight. Yeah, I like that. We're very similar in that. Moving along to my number nine through 13, which are the last of the third base that I like and that I have ranked before we get into our sleepers. At number nine, I have Josh Young. Number 10, I have Jose Miranda. At number 11, I have Max Muncy. And then rounding out, I have Anahenio Suarez and Matt Chapman. You look at this tier, and it depends on what you're looking for. Do you want the floor with Anahenio Suarez and Matt Chapman? You know they're going to bat under 250, but you know they're probably going to hit 30 home runs for you. Um, they're probably as consistent as it's going to get. Then you have number 11, Max Muncy. He had that elbow injury, and then he finished the season pretty hot. So I think depending on how he's ranked by certain experts, people are either taking, hey, he's injured, he's washed up, and he's lower, or there's experts out there that are high based on how he finished the season with all of the home runs. Um, when you go and talk about yours, Matt, I'm actually going to look up how he finished the season because I don't have those in front of me. But the guys I like the most in this tier are Josh Young and Jose Miranda. Josh Young, I think people are sleeping on because he had that shoulder injury, came back, got pushed up to the majors, and then batted 204, but he did hit five home runs. There was an article that came out that he was interviewed, and he said he was pressing, trying to you know, make contact, and he didn't want to strike out. And because of that, he was striking out more than he thought, and he got away from his... Um, and not statistics, but his fundamentals on how he approached uh, the batter's box. And he wants to get back to his old swing. This is a guy in 2021 who batted 326 
and had 19 home runs in the major or minors, I should say, and went from double A to triple A. Just hearing all of that and the preseason hype, I think he's a post-hype sleeper that you can get. Uh, I think he's going around 200 in drafts, but I have him ranked as my number nine third base. I probably am going to get a lot of shares of him. Then moving on to Jose Miranda, this is a guy you and I liked a lot last year. At the end of the year, in 125 games, he batted 268 with 15 home runs. And I think a lot of experts in the industry are saying this is who Jose Miranda is. He's going to bat 260 and only give you 15 home runs. I still think he has a little bit of growth left in him. I think he can get you 275, 280, and maybe get you 20 to 25 home runs, which is a still very productive player. If we look at it, that's pretty much what we're expecting out of Alex Bregman. I think the ceiling for Jose Miranda can get him into that tier two of my third base rankings. What are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, we have the exact same players here. We have them um, in a little bit of flip-flop order, though. I, I decided with my rankings to go a little bit more veteran-heavy, um, really kind of leaning on that floor. And I think for the simple fact that you just talked about Miranda and everything that entails his overall profile is why. At 9, I chose Max Muncy. Who I think in reality, if you're taking Max Muncy, you are taking him as a second baseman. Um, to play him at third base would mean some reason your draft kind of got flip-flopped around. Muncy's going to be a power production player at second base. So that's a guy, especially in a weak position, that you're going to want to lean on. And you're going to have to lean on the fact that he does still have that UCL injury. He has not had Tommy John. So you have the injury risk with Muncy, but you have the high-end upside of what Max Muncy can be. Again, a very streaky player, but a guy that could definitely change your league if you get the healthy version of Max Muncy. Coming in at number 10, I have Matt Chapman. It is a career season for Matt Chapman. It's contract time. He has got to play at his absolute height. And when we've seen Matt Chapman in the past perform with a possible 40 home run threshold, 250 average, high RBIs, I think we could get the absolute best version of Matt Chapman this season. Again, I would rather have Max Muncy because I think the best version of Max Muncy is better than Matt Chapman. But Matt Chapman, I'm calling for a career year. Again, contract season. Um, and Henio Suarez comes in at number 11 for me. Just doesn't have the same kind of upside that Chapman does, again, with a contract season. Doesn't have that same approach that Muncy does in the same lineup. Suarez is, I think, going to still struggle with some of those counting stats there in Seattle. But definitely like him as a guy that you're going to toss at your third base slot if you've uh, highlighted other positions in your draft. And then comes the young guys that you talked about. I have Miranda at 12 and Josh Young at 13. I don't dislike either of these guys. I probably like them more than I like my 11, 10, and 9 rankings. But at the end of the day, they're still very young. And Jose Miranda, he could be a guy that wins leagues. He could be a guy that breaks out and kind of follows through with the, the form that Rafael Devers did. But the bat speed just isn't the same as Devers. Also, my concern with Miranda is he may end up being a DH-only type of player because his defense does lack behind. Again, we don't really care about that in fantasy, but that will impact his playing time, possibly. And I do think there is the upside of the 30 home runs. I just don't think this coming season we'll see that. I would expect maybe 22 home runs out of him, 18 to 22. And Josh Jung comes in at 13 for the simple fact that there is all the prospect pedigree 
but he did struggle last year. And I think the great takeaway from from what you talked about with his interview and some of the things that we've heard in other publications is the fact that he had missed so much time. He was almost thrown right in the major leagues, only a few weeks in the minor leagues to get himself ready. He had not seen breaking balls in over a year. I think that is a huge benefit to what his profile is going to be moving forward. There was a lot of rust on him last year. I think we will start to see him kind of knock some of that rust off, bat 270, 280 this season, you know, show you that 20 home run power. But again, I would rather have Miranda because again, we know he can already do it. And some of these other veterans, because I think they're at least for this season, 2023, some higher upside than Jung. But if we're talking about dynasty, I probably have Jung and then Miranda in my rankings. Yeah, I like everything you said. I completely forgot about Matt Chapman being in a contract year. So I'm curious to see what he does. He, obviously, he's going to be a little bit more motivated, just like Manny Machado that we mentioned. While you were talking, though, I did pull up the last two months that Max Muncy played from August 1st to October 5th. He bet 247, had 12 home runs, 37 RBIs, and 29 runs. That's pretty good. He was on was fire. Was yeah. streak? Yeah, on fire. But was that a hot streak, or is that the max months you were going to get? Um, I don't have it pulled up, but he was batting 161 before that hot streak started. 161 is not even usable. That's waiver wire fodder. And by the end of the season, he did bring it up to 196. But that just goes to show you over the course of a season, batting 247 and you only raised your batting average 30, 30 points. That's not That's not the greatest, so... I don't know. I'm I'm torn on Max Muncy, but like you said, if you're drafting him, you're probably placing him at second base. Let's move along now to our sleepers. I've got four listed here. I got Anthony Rendon. Pretty much you can get him for free. He's been injured the last two seasons, but before that was a staple at third base. Doesn't hurt to roll the dice on him if he can stay healthy. I think he can provide you batting average for sure. I just am curious to see what his power output's going to be because we haven't really seen him since the juice ball has gone away. Don't think he, you're going to get 30 home runs out of him. But if you can get maybe 15, 20, I think that's pretty reasonable if you missed out at third base. Then I have Jordan Walker. He is a top prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. Not really sure what to expect out of him. I'm worried that he might strike out a lot, but he does come with power. Then we have Alec Bohm. This was a guy who's going to give you batting average, but he's not going to give you much in terms of power. If you have holes, if you deal with injuries, Alec Bohm last year was a great plug-and-play for me. Um, he's a Band-Aid guy. Um, don't think he's going to give you much in terms of power, like I said, but if you need somebody, he's somebody you can rely on. And then Justin Turner. Moving from the Dodgers to the Red Sox, I think he's primarily going to play DH, um, especially with Devers playing third base. But he's going to give you decent average and decent power. These are all guys that I don't think have the capability of breaking up besides Jordan Walker, but definitely if you miss out on third base or you're hurting, can definitely help you. Matt, what do you think of those sleepers, and who do you got? Yeah, and I mean, Rendon is he's the wild card here. Um, you look at what Rendon's ability has been in the past take away the injuries and you're just shooting for a guy that at the end of the draft maybe you've taken a cabrian hayes or you've taken a jose miranda and you just kind of want something in the chamber you got to think rendon would have been a guy that filled right into this number six slot you know 290 300 batting average get you 80 to 90 runs 
20 home runs, 80 to 90 RBIs, couple stolen bases. Like we forget that it was just three years ago that he was one of the best third basemen in baseball when he signed this contract. And again, the injuries have really derailed the career. The change in ball has changed his profile, but I have to believe that Rendon has one last good season in him or at least usable. So I think he's absolutely worth a flyer. I think he's worth a bench spot. You know, we'll be saying something very different coming into next year. He'll either be untouchable or he'll be right back in this top 10. You know, again, the 2023 season will decide that. I have DJ LeMahieu also on my list. I think DJ LeMahieu, again, with the position eligibility, definitely worth a spot on your bench. Again, another guy you could pair with Miranda or Jung if you're not fully sold on these guys that are younger. Uh, Cabrian Hayes is another eye to keep in keep another name to keep an eye on you know he hasn't performed very well since that wrist injury the power just hasn't been there definitely a guy that may benefit from the the shift being banned but he also may be a guy that is defense only his entire career after the injury I like Alec Bohm again good lineup Um, do we see more growth from him we saw a little bit of growth from him last year with the batting average definitely saw more power to the opposite field think he could be another name that you could pair up with one of the youngsters and just hope one of them pops then for sleepers, you kind of touched on him. Jordan Walker, love that. He could be opening the season with the Cardinals. That's a, a very aggressive placement, but I think there is a possibility if he comes out in spring and absolutely tears the cover off the ball. I have you on Moncada, my sleepers, because Moncada, again, high top prospect, just has never really put it all together. Uh, Curtis Mead for the Rays, also on this list. And then the player that I've had for mentioned earlier, kind of the comp to Gunnar Henderson, who I think could have a very similar career and always kind of be the poor man's version is Brett Batty. Um, still injured, going to have to come back from that injury and prove himself again. But I think Brett Batty for the Mets, if he can find playing time, could give you very similar production to Gunnar Henderson. Gunter Henderson. Um, but again, not as flashy. And the final name I want to mention is Miguel Vargas for the Dodgers. He is possibly going to gain uh, second base eligibility this season. That could be very beneficial to your second base slot. And again, if you have the rotational ability to play him at second or third, depending on injuries, and if he is able to stick in that Dodgers lineup, this was another player that was highly touted as a prospect, and he is going to give you that 20 home run upside, batting average from 260 to 270. Miguel Vargas, end of your drafts, definitely a guy I want to target. Yeah, I like everything you said, and I even told you on our second base preview that we need to talk about Miguel Vargas with the the news of him coming out, so that's our bad on that. Um, Interesting enough, Matt, I looked it up. Miguel Vargas is only first base eligible on ESPN, so with the news of him playing second base, I'm not even even sure he'll qualify for third base, Um, and I completely forgot about Brett Batty. Um, so I just want to touch on those two guys before we move over to outfield. My concern with Brett Batty is they have Eduardo Escobar, and what's their play if he's not ready or they think he needs some seasoning? And there's been a lot of talk with the new rules that if you're out, if your prospects aren't up in the first month of the season, you're better off just holding them until September because why waste the arbitration and the eligibility and the extra year of service time if you can't get that extra draft pick? Um, unless he comes storming in the minors, I'm a little worried about that. And then Miguel Vargas, I do like him. My concern with him is, is he going to be what we're hoping out of Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor? Is he going to have full playing time? Um, there's a lot of helium on him. I definitely like him because the ceiling is sky high. 
My concern is that he turns out to be what Gavin Lux is, a high batting average with limited power, or Chris Taylor, just multi-eligibility but doesn't get the full playing time. Anything else on that before we move to outfield? Yeah, the only thing I'd say about Batty is I think there's one singular organization in the entire league where I I don't think they give a shit about eligibility and playing time and this and that. And I think it's the Mets because of Steve Cohen. I, I just don't I don't think they're going to hold a guy down for the simple fact that they want to save money. Now, is it because he's blocked? Very well could be. You know, that's that's just the truth. If there's a veteran performing on the field, there's no intensive need to bring the guy up because at the end of the day, he's going to get more at-bats in the minor leagues and he will in the majors. That in itself could stifle his development. But what I will say, Eduardo Escobar has done nothing except be consistent with letting us down. So I would not be surprised two, three weeks well, into the major it, league besides season. Besides the end of the year, he was on fire and knocked you out of the playoffs. Yeah, he was good, but... The Mets aren't in a position to have a guy that can be up and down and streaky. You know, with Batty's profile, he's a guy that's going to be in this rotate, or this lineup for the next six years. Left-handed bat, everything you really want to see out of a kid, I would expect the Mets bring him up either to start the season or very, very shortly after because I just don't think Escobar is the answer in New York. I mean, they looked at Correa for no, a reason. Um but uh, but again, you you could be right. He is go. I think this is his age twenty four season though, so he's also you know clock's ticking on that development as well. You've got to get him but in the majors. Like, but just like what you said, they tried to bring Carlos Correa in, which gives me pause for Batty because if they're trying to bring Carlos Correa in, they clearly don't feel comfortable with him. And Eduardo Escobar, just watching them in the postseason and at the end of the year, just the leadership and the energy Escobar gave that team i don't know how many games at least two or three where they were down or they couldn't get any runs scored and our eduardo escobar would hit a double or a single and just get their bench going so like a lot of that leadership we're missing when we're looking at those statistics and 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 who knows you know he could come up and he could play dh or they could move eduardo escobar to dh so who knows i just have a feeling that there's more going against Batty this season than there is going for him. But moving along, let's jump into our outfield rankings, the first half. Um, for the sake of time, I have the top 30 outfielders ranked, which is broken into four tiers. Um, I don't know how many tiers you have, Matt, but I believe you also have the top 30. So I'm just going to jump right into it. My first tier are primarily all first-round players. I definitely want to get at least one of these guys in all my drafts. Starting it off, I have Aaron Judge at number one. Number two, I have Ronald Acuna. Number three, I have Jordan Alvarez. Following that, number four, I have Julio Rodriguez. Then Mookie Betts. Number six, I have Juan Soto. And number seven, Mike Trout. Um, I know that you have Kyle Tucker ahead of Mike Trout, but there was a lot of, I think Mike Trout is the, the most, I don't know, debatable player right now because he does have that lower back injury. There's a lot of concerns, but I am very much sold on what happened when he came back from his injury from August 19th, the day he came back to October 5th. In those 40 games, he batted 308, had 16 home runs, 29 RBIs, 30 runs, 11 doubles. You know, this was the Mike Trout we were hoping for. He ended the season fairly well. Um, I think if he plays a full season, he's probably coming close to 50 home runs. But he does come with the injury risk. So 
all that being said, I have him at number seven, but I think he's done enough to stay in that tier one for me. The other guy I want to mention is Juan Soto. He struggled, batted under 250 when he went over to the Padres. I think a lot of that has to do with there was a lot of buzz going on with the contract negotiations, him getting an extension with the Nationals, then all the talk about him getting traded. Then he was getting traded and then felt the pressure to perform. I think he does bounce back and all that pressure is taken off of him. Yes, he doesn't have an extension or a contract right now, but I think he doesn't have to worry as much as he did before. I don't think the Padres are trading him one way or another. And then Ronald Acuna, I have number two for the simple fact of when he's healthy, keyword when, I think he can provide you 40 home runs, 40 steals, and bat 270 to 280. That is a very usable guy. But I definitely could see him dropping behind Jordan Alvarez, Julio Rodriguez, and Mookie Betts. So there's a lot of interchangeable pieces in my Tier 1, but I'm very comfortable with any of these guys as my first outfielder. Matt, what are your thoughts on all of these players, and what does your first tier look like? Yeah, I've limited my first tier to just five. Um you know, as I know the sun will rise each morning, I also know Mike Trout will always be hurt every season. So Mike Trout falls in at number eight for me. Um, love what he, I love who he is when he's healthy. But I, I, I kid you not as a baseball fan, now for 25 years, I have never seen a player outside of maybe Ryan Braun that I just know will be hurt every single season like Mike Trout. And it's really disappointing. It, it, it's it's sad for the game because Trout is such a great talent and he's such an incredible fantasy performer. But if I look back on my own fantasy playing time, you know, I held Mike Trout at this point maybe four or five years ago. And I, I already had a couple seasons of disappointment with Mike Trout where, you know, the injury crept up and it was always at the most inopportune time. And you know, now I've got to find a replacement for my number one player. And it, it was very challenging to navigate. And that's why he falls out of my first tier. I have Aaron Judge number one. I think that is unanimous. Aaron Judge after last season has to take this number one slot. Projection, you know, you can look at Judge as a Patrick Mahomes type player. When healthy, he is the most dominant. Um, Judge gets the number one slot. I have Soto coming at number two because of the lineup around him, because of everything you said about Machado, because when Tatis comes back, he's going to be on an absolute mission. You have so much wep- so much weaponry in that San Diego Padres lineup that I think the counting numbers for Soto this year are going to be off the charts. I think we see that average return. My only concern for Soto is the power. Um, the power in San Diego, we kind of talked about it's going to limit him a little bit. The shift is going to help him a lot. Soto has a lot of ground balls and has a lot of hard hit ground balls. I think that will especially help the average. Acuna comes in at number three for me for all the reasons you talked about. Acuna is a perennial all-star. We are not to the point where we talk about injuries with Acuna. It was a bad ACL. He talked last season about his knee just not being right, even at the end of the year. I'm hoping with seeing him and his highlights playing in, in Winter League that he is 100% now, You know that he is out there and playing on a healthy body. And I think if that's the case, Acuna comes back and comes back strong. I have Jordan Alvarez at number four. Again, I think that this is something we're seeing with a lot of these players. We have injury concerns. Acuna has injury concerns. Judge has injury concerns. Alvarez, Trout, you know, the injury bug has been there for some of these guys. 
Jordan has had a better job of staying at the DH position, has filled in the outfield to give him that utility within fantasy, which is helpful. So Jordan at number four. And then I have Mookie Betts finishing out my top five tier. Uh, love what Mookie is. You know, there's some talks that he may play second base this year. I don't know that that happens enough to actually register in a lot of fantasy leagues, but Mookie Betts is a guy that you absolutely can trust. Falls in at number five because if I absolutely have to, I can take him at the end of the first round and I'm okay with it. Um, and then I have my second tier, but I'll let you go ahead first. Well, since since your second tier kind of bleeds into my tier one, I think you should go ahead and tell us who your tier two is and we can have some conversation and then go over my tier two. How's that sound? Yeah, and, and it's a tier two because if I'm sitting at the end of the first round and I've got Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, Julio Rodriguez, and Mike Trout on the board, I'm going to ask myself, I cannot burn this pick. And if I want to build a team that's productive and consistent, Betts is my guy. Now, Julio Rodriguez starts off my number two tier, and it's very close to bets. I love what Rodriguez did. The sophomore slump does concern me. There is always risk that you will have a slight regression in your second year. Rodriguez obviously exploded last year, had a fantastic year. But when you look at the lineups, the Dodgers are clearly better than the Mariners. Also, Mariners ballpark, not necessarily the most hitter-friendly ballpark. Now, Rodriguez stole a lot of bases last year. I think he can steal even more bases this year with the rule changes. But I am curious to see how the hitting approach translates into his sophomore season. I have him at number six, purely on the upside. Kyle Tucker, talk about a guy that has helium underneath his feet right now. He is exploding up draft boards. He's had a great start of his career. The average has not yet fully been there. I think this is the season where we see with the shift ban a start to the Kyle Tucker 300 approach. Now, no one has ever really loved his swing. It's a very long swing, but it has worked for him. There is that 30 home run power potential there. I do think we'll see some stolen bases from Tucker this year. We've seen, for the most part over his career, a pretty healthy stretch. That's why I have him over Trout, who comes at number eight. And that ends my tier two and ends it significantly. This is where, for me, the tier drop is very steep. I would absolutely love to take Rodriguez, Tucker, or Trout in my second round if I'm able to. Yeah, and I think my tier two is a little bit different. I, I would almost classify your tiers as tier 1A and tier 1B is because that's what it seems like to me. Like you're okay with any of your top two tiers being your number one outfielder, I feel. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I fall in line very much so with if I'm if I'm drafting in the first round, I need to get an outfielder. Um, and that's why I have them tiered one and two, because I'm not okay with Julio being my number one outfielder. I'm just not. I need to have one of the dominant guys. You know, if okay. if I'm if I'm pushed with an option of of a number one um outfielder and it has to be Rodriguez, Tucker, Trout. It's really hard not to so take Trout are you, there. Are you, you know, like, are you going to take an outfielder then, or are you going to pivot and take a starting pitcher, or if Jose Ramirez is still out there, or um, Vladimir Guerrero? Well, let's say you going to pivot. Let's say yeah. I have like, what, what let's say I have the eighth or ninth pick, right, and all my top five are gone. Like they, they're just they're not there. Mm -hmm. Eight, eight through twelve. Um, I think the easy option, yes, is probably julio um ramirez <laughs> you know like i just said julio ramirez i'm jose so ramirez. sorry jose um 
or Freddie Freeman, you know, taking somebody where that I can lock in a position of need and, and be happy moving forward and hope in that second round I can grab Rodriguez, Tucker, Trout. I, I, sh- I would hope one of them makes it back to me, I guess is the idea I'm saying, because I would think other managers probably have the same understanding of like, damn, I don't want Julio as my number one. But that's the hard thing then, you know, if you then make you pair them with a Freddie Freeman or a Ramirez, you then as your number two have no choice but to wait for that that turnaround, right? So then you might be looking at a Corbin Carroll or an Eloy Jimenez as your number two, which if you could pay, pair Eloy with you know Julio or Tucker, I actually really like that a lot, but you'd have absolutely no choice but to double up on outfielder. And that kind of scares me as well. It, it, that's why these top five guys are so crucial for me. Like, and placement too. Um, and, and Betts isn't even a guy that I absolutely love. He's more or less just the guy that, hey, pick eight or nine. Like, I guess I'll take Betts. But um, I'm telling you, yeah, fair, fair the, the heat on Rodriguez this year, I'm just concerned for a letdown. He, he could ruin your team if he doesn't come out of the gates and even perform better than he did last year because I don't think his numbers last year represent first-round talent quite yet. Yeah, I... I see where you're coming from. I personally think Julio Rodriguez is that next Juan Soto or Ronald Acuna, and I think they just bypass that sophomore slump. This is a guy I've liked for a long time, but it's yet to be seen. Um, I definitely get where you're coming from. You can, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you can definitely lose it. And Julio Rodriguez is somebody who could probably lose it for you if he doesn't come through. Having said that, let's move into my tier two, which is covers ranks eight through 15. A lot of these guys have breakout potential, injury concerns, or they're either batting average or power heavy. So having said that, my number eight is Kyle Tucker, just for the simple fact as we have yet to see the batting average. Do I believe it's going to happen? Probably. But until that happens, he's got to be a tier two guy for me. Number nine, 10, I have George Springer and Luis Robert. I like those guys' batting profiles. It's the injury concerns for me, for both of them. George Springer, more so, I don't think he's going to provide more than 30 home runs for me for you compared to that first tier, which is why he drops. Number 11, I have Michael Harris. For Michael Harris, he had a great rookie season, but for the concerns you have for Julio Rodriguez are the same concerns I have for Michael Harris. I'm concerned about that sophomore slump. And I'm not sure if the power production is going to get him to that 30 home runs, but I do like the batting average. I think that's going to sustain. Number 12, I have Starling Marte. Simple fact, injury concerns. Can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, you're getting 280, 290, and he's going to hit 20 to 30 home runs and give you some stolen bases. Number 13, I have Eloy Jimenez. Immense production. I can see him being a tier one guy if and when he stays healthy. There has been talk that he may primarily play DH for the White Sox so he can stay healthy with no Jose Abreu at first base. Andrew Vaughn can now solidify that position. So DH is primarily open for Eloy to take it. Then at number 14 and 15, I have Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber is going to give you less batting average, but you know he's going to hit you 30 to 40 home runs. And then number 15, I have Teoscar Hernandez. I don't like him moving from the Toronto Blue Jays to the Seattle Mariners, more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. But with him losing his arbitration case, I think he's a little motivated to prove he's worth it. And that's why I have him in Tier 2 rather than Tier 3. 
And that's where I see a significant drop off. If you don't get one or two of these outfielders in my top two tiers, I do not feel comfortable at all at outfield. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I love Teoscar this season. Um, and I think some of the the national fantasy uh, podcasts, as well as uh, information being thrown our way, has been spot on with Teoscar Hernandez and the park shift. You know, most of his home runs are no doubters. When he gets into one, they're gone in almost any park. That gives me a lot of confidence with him moving to Seattle. And he's going to be in a lineup with a lot of power. There's going to be a lot of strikeouts around Julio this coming season. It's something that's definitely going to be interesting to follow. I think you're going to have a Mariners team that's probably streaky at times, a lot of ups and downs, but I think Teoscar's a guy that you definitely can lean on. Uh, starting off with number nine, I have Michael Harris coming in. I loved what he did last year. I think you have the opportunity for a guy that if, if he does not do what we talked about with Julio and himself, like, you know, regress with that sophomore slump, there's a chance he could go 30-30 for you this year. And if that's the case, number nine is you're you're super happy about that. If he happens to be a third-round pick, if you can get him in the third, or if he's a late second-round pick, that's absolutely what you were looking for. Um, number 10, I have Schwarber for the simple fact that, again, you have 40 home run upside. You should have a better batting average this season with the changing of the rules again in the shift. I think Schwarber will hit you 250 to 260, get you those 40 home runs. We saw the absolute immense tear that he can go on the last couple of years with the, with the Nationals and now with the Phillies. He can win you weeks. He can definitely jump up if you're in Roto League, seeing you know, cushion that home run total for you. Number 11, I have Cedric Mullins. And I expect a bounce back from Cedric Mullins, but Cedric Mullins comes in 11 for me, very much so for the stolen bases. If you're looking to kind of bypass yourself throughout the draft on speed, and you're in either in a categories league or you're in a roto league and you need those steals, I think Cedric Mullins bounce, bounces back this season with 18 to 22 home runs, probably hits a little bit better, probably hits around the 270, 275 range, and will get you more than likely this season 40 stolen bases. Again, these rule changes are going to impact these guys quite a bit, and quite a bit more than I think a lot of the publications are talking about. So Mullins for me is a high rank at 11. Springer at number 12, you said at best, injury concern. Love who he is when he's healthy. Problem is, when does he stay healthy? Um, Eloy, same concern, right? He's 13 for me. But Eloy, I think he needs to stick at DH. He has the profile of a guy that can hit you 280 with 40 home runs almost every season. You could see him probably being the poor man's Jordan Alvarez at DH if he can just stay healthy. We saw once he came back last year the immense value that he held and the player that he had been profiled to be was still there. So Eloy at 13. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez comes in for me at 14. We talked about him a little bit. And then my f last player of the tier is going to be Luis Robert. Just aren't, I'm not sold on him. Uh, hasn't been able to stay healthy. Hasn't been able to put it all together. He has all of the physical traits that you're looking for. He just can't stay on the field. And I'm really disappointed that we haven't seen a full season out of him because we talked about it as a 30-30 with Harris. He is a walking 30-30. He is a guy that if he were able to put it together could be 40-40. But so far in his career, I haven't seen the health. I can't draft him with the, the idea that he will stay healthy this year. So for me at 15, if for whatever reason he falls down drafts boards and he's there, would love to have him as my second third outfielder would be fantastic but he is at 15 for me yeah i like everything you said there especially about robert if he he's probably a guy i don't get 
anywhere because that injury concern scares the living shit out of me. Um, unless he does fall to like past pick 50 or so, which probably is not happening. Um, I probably am not getting any shares of him. So let's move on to my tier three, which is 16 through 20. And there's a lot of different profiles in here. At number 16, I have Cedric Mullins. This is primarily because I have rankings for head-to-head points um, in categories. I do agree he would move up into my tier two, but since we are going points, at least I did points, he falls into that tier three, but he is the first. Then I have number 17, I have Brian Reynolds, you know, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistent, had a slow start to the beginning of the season, but proved that it was just cold weather and ended up with a decent stat line. Number 18, I have Randy Rosarena. This is a guy who's going to give you a little bit above average at every single um, category and statistic. You know, he's going to bat 260, not get you 270 or 280, but that's okay. He's going to get you 20 to 25 home runs, 20 to 25 steals, and he's going to get you those runs and RBIs batting in the middle of that Rays lineup. Then at number 19, I have Byron Buxton. This guy I can't figure out. You know, I could see him jumping to tier one, and I could see him jumping or falling all the way outside of my top 30. It all depends if he can stay healthy and if he can figure it out. He's had years where he can bat um, high average with no power, and then last year he bats 220, 230, and has hits uh, on a 40, 50 home run pace, but just couldn't stay healthy. And then number 20, I have Corbin Carroll, just for the simple fact of, He's going to be the stolen base leader for outfield. There's no doubt in my mind, one of the fastest guys in the league. And I think he's going to provide you the batting average. It's the power output that I don't know of. Is he going to give you 10 to 15 home runs or is he going to give you 25 to 30? Um, That is yet to be seen, but I do think he will develop power as he gets older. And that rounds out my tier three. Matt, I'm curious where you stand on Corbin Carroll because, one, you have him in our Dynasty League, and, two, you've been following him a lot longer than I have. Um, So start us off with your next tier. Yeah, and this is really hard for me because I look at this tier and I think to myself, this is where I want my third outfielder to be. Third Three outfielder leagues, right? If you're in five, we're talking a very different conversation here. Um, But these are the guys that if you can pair in with you know, that first round pick and, you know, possibly get an Eloy and go completely outfield heavy. This is a fantastic area to have a Carroll, a Reynolds, a Buxton, because you minimize that risk by having two value players ahead of them in your outfield and you can go ahead and lean on the upside. And that's really where Carroll falls in for me is the upside. Uh, Reynolds is going to come in at 16 for me. Carroll's coming in at 17. And he's coming in at 17 because I think everything you said was right. My concern with Carroll is the power. When you look at his minor league numbers, he showcased immense power. But also when you look at where he played in the minor leagues, he played in high elevation areas. He played in areas where the ball was jumping. And that always really concerned me as a profile because we never really got to see the real gauge of where Corbin Carroll was as a power hitter. We just got to see the home run numbers climb and climb and climb. And I followed him pretty closely last year since I do own him in the Dynasty League. And every time I'd see a home run, I would look to see, okay, was it a no-doubter? No. Usually 10, 15 feet over the fence. And again, he was hitting nice home runs inconsistently. But when you're in high elevation, we've seen that, especially with Nick Gonzalez using the Pirates organization. He played at New Mexico State. Had like eight or nine home runs in a weekend series in college because he played in New Mexico. And again, when you have higher elevation, it kind of... 
hides the real numbers and the real value when you have power because now you look at Nick Gonzalez and he's actually like a 10 to 15 major league home run projected player. I could see similar nature for Carroll, 10 to 15 home runs. Now, why I think he is the immense upside in this class, because you have the injury risk of Buxton, because we know what a Rosarena is, because Brian Reynolds is Mr. Consistent with his year-end uh, slash line. Carroll could be a guy that just absolutely jumps off the page with everything other than power. He gets you 100 runs, even in a bad lineup. He could get you 80 RBIs because he absolutely does it all on the field. He's a very good hitter. He could hit you 300. He could hit you 330 by all means without the shift and with that speed. And he could steal you anywhere from 40 to 70 bases. So you're talking about upside. I think Carroll is my number one guy here. If I wanted a third outfielder, it is Carroll because even a bad version of Corbin Carroll is probably a pretty good third outfielder. And you're going to see him develop throughout the next couple of years. And I think we're going to see an all-around package probably a better version of Cedric Mullins. Um, so Carroll coming in at 17, Buxton 18, you said it best. We absolutely love Buxton. He just can't stay healthy. It's very heartbreaking. And when I think about talking uh, in, in regards to Luis Robert, I think we are one season away and a couple more injuries for Robert of putting him in the same kind of category as Byron Buxton, just a guy that might be too physically gifted to be on a, on a baseball field, 162 games. Uh, 19, I have a Rosarena. And I think that kind of rounds out this tier. I mean, I have Adolis Garcia at 20. Um, very different profile. And, I, and I'm okay with him as my third outfielder. So we'll, we'll throw Adolis Garcia in there. 16 through 20, Brian Reynolds, Corbin Carroll, Byron Buxton, Randy Rosarena, and Adolis Garcia. Yeah, I like everything you said there. The one thing with Corbin Carroll is he's one of those guys. He could be a tier one, tier two player, or he could drop outside the top 200 it all depends on home run production categories league definitely a guy i want definitely a guy i'm targeting as far as your philosophy on getting three of your top 20 i'm okay with getting two of my top 20 and then i definitely want one of these guys in my tier three so i'm just going to hop right into it it's going to round out my 21 through 30 and at number 21, I have Adolis Garcia. I just don't think he can sustain it. He's going to bat less um, average than Randy Rosarena. I think he gives you less counting stats as far as runs and RBIs. And for that, he just bumps down. Number 22, I have Chris Bryant. It's the injury concerns for me. Can't stay healthy. 23, Giancarlo Stanton. His batting average has dropped, but his power has always been there. Number 24, Hunter Renfro, Mr. 30 home run. He's Mr. Consistent. 25, Christian Yelich. Can he return to form? It's a big unknown. 26, I have Mitch Haniger for the simple fact of when he's healthy. I don't care that he plays for the San Francisco Giants. When he hits home runs, they are the no-doubters. And I think if he stays healthy, keyword if, it's a big theme for these outfielders, I think he can produce and i'm curious to see if he plays dh with brandon belt now over in toronto number 27 i have taylor ward a tale of different seasons was hot out of the gate then had the shoulder injury running into the wall batted horribly and then finished the season strong so i'm not really sure what to expect out of him 28 of anthony santander hit over 30 home runs but was it sustainable this is yet to be seen Number 29, Nick Castellanos, he drops down. This was a guy I was very high on, but he had a horrible season, didn't even bat 20 home runs. I think he can bounce back. I don't know if it was pressure going to the Phillies, 
but there's no way he can't bounce back from that. And then number 30, I have Dalton Varsho for the simple fact of he's going to bet you 230, 240, but I think he has 30 home run potential. He drops all the way at 30 for me because if you're drafting him, you're more than likely going to play him at catcher because he is the number two or three ranked outfielder based on our standards. So I, I feel a little guilty putting him at outfield, but it is something that needs to be addressed. So I personally like having one of my tier one players, a, my second outfielder to be one of my two or three, and then I definitely want my third outfielder to be from this range of 21 through 30, and that rounds it out for me. Matt, I'll kick it over to you for your tier three or whatever tier you're on these days. Um, finish us out through pick or uh, ranking number 30, and then uh, we'll get into our sleepers and breakouts on our next outfield podcast. Yeah, and I think this would essentially be tier four for me. And, um, you know, it, it's hard because I, I don't really want any of these guys. And I think when I talk about having three of those top 20, it's because I, I want to be very, very aggressive in drafts. And I have confidence that I can fill pieces out from first base, second base, shortstop, third base, you know, catching position, my pitchers. Like there's depth in other places and to me, there's just not as much upside here at the end of the end of the outfield rankings, at least going to 30. Uh, 21, I have Chris Bryant like that. You know, if he happens to be my third outfielder, I'm okay with that. Uh, there is upside there playing in Colorado, right? Power might have taken a dip with the, the lack of the juice ball and some of the injuries Bryant has gotten, but I like him at 21. Dalton Rocho comes in for 22 for me because I do love the lineup he's coming to. I like the fact that Toronto has moved their walls in. I do have some concern as a left-handed hitter that he may not face as many lefties as he did in Arizona, and the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks had the ability to just put him out there every single day. But you do have the speed factor there as well. But Richie, I think you said it best. If you're drafting him, you're drafting him for the catching position because it may be his last year of catcher eligibility, and he is such a plus-plus position there. I highly doubt he makes the outfield in your team, and if he does, you're probably in trouble as it is already. Um, Sterling Marte coming in at 23 for me, a lot of injuries, that core muscle surgery that he had. There is a lot of inconsistent updates as to where he is in the recovery from that process. Marte though, again, another guy that's going to benefit you with steals. He is getting a little bit older. He has slowed down a little bit, but again, the rule changes his ability to steal a base, put it aside his speed. He's been a master over the course of his career. So I do like him at 23, especially in categories leagues or roto leagues. If you compare him as your third outfielder, you're going to get that speed. And then speaking of speed, that's why I have Christian Yelich ranked 24th. While the power has dipped a little bit, he still does have that high contact uh, barrel rate that you're looking for. I think it is just a change in launch angle to bring some of that power back. I think the MVP days are over, but you do get a useful player in Christian Yelich with the shift being banned, as well as the base stealing ability. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton comes in at 25 for me. I think he's the guy that I'm going to want to nab first and foremost over the next few names that I mentioned just for the power fact, for the simple fact that he's in a great lineup, in a great ballpark. Obviously, there's uh, health concerns, so you're going to want to pair a bench bat for him in the outfield. Anthony Santander comes in at number 26 for me because we've seen him do things similar to last year in past seasons. That's why he ranks over Ward, who comes in at 27 for me. We just have not seen it more than an eight-week stretch. He did have a good end to his season, but that injury running into the wall does scare me. Also, it is going to be his age 30 season, so how much development does he really have left? 
Hunter Renfro coming in at 28 on the same exact team. Ironically, he is now an angel. Renfro has given you the ability to showcase 20 to 30 home run potential. I really do like that. Um, 29, I have Andrew Vaughn coming in. You're going to have the first base eligibility, and I'll have to check in ESPN. He may only be first base eligible. Um, but as it stands right now, I have in my outfield rankings 29th overall. I think you're going to see a good average 280, 290, 20 home runs, RBIs. I think he's going to have a bounce back season in regards to his confidence. And then Mitch Hanniger, you had forementioned him. Really love Hanniger. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. And if you think about the Giants stadium, it would think it was eighth or ninth actually in the league last year for right-handed power. Uh, we oftentimes think of San Francisco as a pitcher-friendly park, which it is, but for the right-handed bats, it actually is a plus for them. Yeah, and I just checked. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is outfield eligible. Love that. He's probably ranking at number 31 for me, so yeah. I like that take. Um, my only thought is if you're getting Andrew Vaughn, you're probably going to play him at first base, but it depends on your roster construction. But I like most of what you said there. Well, and, you know, again, I'm a guy that loves the ability to move people around. You know, like, yeah, I don't often. Flexibility is key. It is. And it's hard because I've played Dynasty for so long. I don't have the same emphasis on it. But when you think about it, like, you know, if you have a guy like Vinny P come up this season where, you know, you have the ability to slide him in once he's knocked off some of the major league rust and it's like, okay, well, now you have an injury to say Mike Trout, right? All right, well, Andrew Vaughn immediately slides into that outfield slot. This rookie that you've picked up off the wire can slide into first. Problem solved. No issue, right? But now you have Vinny P come up and Trout goes out. You can't put Vinny P in the outfield. Andrew Vaughn's only first base eligible. Now you're like, okay, who gets, who's getting cut in this situation? Love the flexibility. I think that yeah, is absolutely yeah. king in fantasy. I like, I like that. All right, well, that wraps up our third base and first portion of the outfield rankings um next podcast we'll definitely finish our outfield rankings and we'll see if we'll get into starting pitcher or relief pitchers for you guys until then we'll see you next time take care